his commands. So let's look at our text uh, this morning, starting with one verse, but we'll cover several around it. Acts chapter 26, verse 19, the words of Paul the Apostle uh, on trial before King Agrippa. He says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. This morning I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, You Are Called. Father God, please help us. God, this morning, God, speak clearly to your people. God, use me, God, as a vessel for your words. God, not my own words, God, but by your message, God, by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have an issue is that many Christians today are waiting to be used by God. And simply saying that phrase, waiting to be used by God, doesn't really sound that bad, right? But the question is, are we waiting for God to force His will upon us? We might say prayers to God like, God, use me. God, use me, right? That's a a noble request, right? To say, God, use me in some way. And we pray this prayer, perhaps with good intention, but do we pray this prayer with hopes that God will do all the legwork too? Do we expect that God, uh, that God, sorry, do we expect God to desire to use us, to move us, to force the words out of our mouth, We say, God, put a purpose on my life and move my feet too. You see, we expect him to orchestrate events, to bring his will to us where we're at, to be used by him, to have him make the moves on our behalf. We say, God, use me, so go ahead and move the puzzle pieces around me, pick me up and place me. You see, we don't actually want to do any of the legwork on our own. We just want God to use us like a puppet. But God is no puppet master, and we are no puppets. Could God use us like puppets? Of course. He's almighty, all-powerful God. He could pick us up and move us. He could force our mouths to speak. He could move our legs where he wants us to go, but he won't. He will not. It's not that he cannot, but he will not. He intentionally chose to give us a free will to serve him and to choose on our own accord to love him, to follow him, and obey him. Joshua 24, 15, I just read this one recently, the words of Joshua before Israel. He says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers uh, served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua declares to the people, choose this day who you will serve. Why? Because the real God, the God Almighty in heaven, and of course the fake gods aren't going to make you do anything. He's declaring to Israel, you have a choice to make. We either choose to serve and obey God, or we choose to enslave ourselves into the world. Jesus, the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 24, he tells us, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
Jesus also speaks of us as servants to a master. No matter how big and strong we think we get in this world, no matter how much we accomplish, the reality is, is that we were created as servants. Therefore, we will serve something. Oftentimes we think, I'm just serving my own interests, my own needs, but you can break it down. We could talk about it. We could analyze it. And it comes down to serving something in some way, whether it be God or the world. We serve and obey the ways of the Lord, or we serve and obey the ways of the world. But neither of them will force our hand. We must choose who we will serve. And Jesus is clear. He didn't mix words. He didn't leave any gray areas. He says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve both. We are not used by God. God has a destiny, a purpose, a plan for us, but he does not use us in the common sense of the word of picking us up and moving around. No, we are called by God. And the Apostle Paul was no exception to this. He was called by God. In our text, we see Paul recounting his vision, his call from God before King Agrippa of what happened to him. And we can expand a little bit more on this. Uh, Acts 26, verses 13 through 19, Paul is recounting what happened to him. And he says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to things in which you have seen me and to, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul's explaining, I was called by God, and then I responded to that call. Think about this. We read this text, and it's a crazy thought, but the reality is Paul could have heard all of this, and he was so entrenched in what he was doing already as a Pharisee, as a persecutor, as the Christian church. He could have gone through all of this and said, no. Right? It seems insane, right, to have a vision like that and to say no, but the reality is he had a choice to make. I think that many people faced with this vision would make the right choice. But nonetheless, 
He says in verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. And he's not speaking about in a moment. As we know, the story goes on. He's blinded by this light. He can't see anymore. And so he's led into the city. God uh, uh, orchestrates his healing. He sends somebody to pray for him, and he's healed, and his vision is restored. And now at this point is the true decision, right? He can't. He's blind. What else is he going to do, right? God blinded me, so I guess I should do what he tells me to do, right? And this is the case for many people. They come into the house of God, and they get blinded by the grace of God. All of the mess, all of the issues, all of the things that they've been doing, that they've been going through, God deals with it in an instant. And instead of blinded, they're seeing differently now. And they say, man, I've really got a mess that I'm in. You see, Paul was living blind, and then God blinded him once he finally saw the truth. And many people, they are living blind. And then when they finally see the truth, they have a spiritual blindness, if you will, because the issues that they face are still the issues that they face. How many know that when you got saved, your problems didn't all just drop to the ground and disappear? We sowed some seeds in the world, and that's coming to fruition. And just like Paul, he goes through this period of blindness. He goes into this home. It says for three days he lived blind, couldn't see anything. And, and a man comes and lays hands and prays for him, and he can see again. This is God moving in our lives. We get saved, right? And we go through this period where we're still crippled by our past mistakes. And God moves in powerful ways. We begin to experience true freedom. We finally get a job. We finally get a car. We finally deal with that relationship. Whatever it is in modern time, and then we go, sweet, God, I got it from here. Peace. How many people, and even in this small church, have we seen do that? Come into the house of God, messed up, wrecked beyond belief, and God repairs them, restores them, gives them a new life, and they go, sweet, I can take it from here. Paul could have done that. He got his vision back. He had a good job, I'm assuming. He could have done that. I can see again. All right, I got it from here. Yeah, I'll do this Christian thing, but it's not going to be really my main focus. No, he says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. This isn't a moment. This is a lifetime. This is decades of deciding to be obedient to God. God made a miraculous display to Paul, and Paul had to make a choice, not just in that day, but every moment of every day up until this point in our text, to obey God or to walk away. And we too have a calling on our lives. We too have a purpose that God has placed on us. Perhaps he didn't blind you with a heavenly vision and knock you over with his glory and tell you directly what it is. I wish it was always that easy. But sometimes it takes a little digging. But we all have a destiny. We all have a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul writes himself to the church in Ephesus, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We, all of us here are included in we. God has a work, a will, a destiny for each of us. And the question is, will you walk in it? Because he will not force your feet to move. 
He will not say, all right, here's the path I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down, and now I'm going to do little puppet strings, you know, those little ones with the strings, and they make them dance, and they do crazy stuff. There's nothing genuine about that. No, he says, you are an agent of free will. I have a plan for you. Here's where to go. Now, go. Now, move your own legs. We have a calling from God, and we must choose to walk in it. But at the same time, as we all know, the world is continually calling out to us as well. And some people, you know, they get faced with the reality of, of religion or Christianity or, or just is there or is there not a God? And they ask this question, why should I choose God? Well, here's a few reasons. One, because he chose us. John 15, 16, the words of Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. Christ chose you when he died for you. We can't, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We can't, we can't choose Christ. We didn't have that ability. We sinned and messed up. We broke the bridge. But he chose us when he died on the cross for our sins. For God so loved the world. Anybody here not, not born in the world? Not yet, at least. Someday we might have people born on other planets, but not today. It hasn't happened yet. For God so loved the world that whosoever... So he chose us by dying for us. The second reason, which goes hand in hand with the first, is because if we don't choose him, we are condemned by our sins. This is the reason why we can't choose him before he chooses us. This is the reason why we couldn't build the bridge back to him, because we're messed up. Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Isn't that heartwarming? <laughs> He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Again, he uses absolute language. No one, nobody, not a single person. Because aside from God, without Him, on our own, we are lost and doomed in our sin. Later on in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. How many know wages is what you get paid for your labors, right? You labor in sin, your payment is death. That's not a paycheck we want to cash out. But it is the free gift of God that is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And of course, we're not talking about a spiritual death, but an eternal death. I'm sorry, a physical death. We're not talking about a physical death, but an eternal death. This is a spiritual death of eternity. But when Christ died on the cross for our sins, was when he called you and when he called I to obey his commands for our lives so that we could have 
salvation. There is no God, use me like a puppet. God's saying, here's what I have for you, now walk in it. And live in the true power that God has desired for us. Some more Romans, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, not used. God doesn't use us. He calls us. God promises to work in our lives for good if we love him and we show him our love by obeying his commands. This isn't legalism. This isn't religion. This isn't any of this. It's just simply practical. It's a response. It's a genuine response to the grace of Jesus Christ. And simply put, we could argue all day, left and right, is it legalism? Is it that? But Jesus said it himself. So it's time we get over it. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, there's really no gray areas there. There really is no mincing of words. He says, if this, then that. Simple logic, basic logic. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because how many of us know that love is shown by action far more than it's shown by words? I can sweet talk my wife all day long, but if I don't have the actions to back it up, what good is it doing? Oh, yeah, honey, I love you. See ya. <laughs> honey, I love you, but I'm not going to ever do anything for you. I'm not ever going to spend time with you. I'm just going to go chase after the career. I'm going to chase after this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend time over here. Honey, I love you, but... And so many Christians live that life today. On social media, they post the verse of the day. They're like, heart Jesus. And then they go about their life and they spend no time with him at all. How can we say, Jesus, I love you. You have my heart, but you have about 10 minutes of my week. An hour and 10 minutes, if I can make it to church. No, Jesus says it's, it's so simple. It's basic humanity. If you love me, then you will show it with your actions. If you love someone, your desire, you have a desire to please them, and it's produced in what you do. Why would our relationship with Jesus ever be any different? And Jesus said it himself. If you love Jesus, you obey his commands. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. The reason why we love Jesus is because he showed his love for us first. We love Christ and we love others because Christ showed us his love. He taught us how to do it. How? By coming and living perfect. That's called obeying commands. That's what he did his whole life. He obeyed commands and he lived as a servant to others. And we show our love to him by obeying him. And then is when he moves in our lives even further. Because how many know we can't outlove God? There's nobody who's ever loved God more than God loves them. Because God empowers those who are obedient to the call. Think about this. 
Just think about this for a second. Paul's life is an absolute testimony to this. He is one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known apostle in the Bible. He was used in insanely powerful ways by God, but before he was saved, he was persecuting Christians. He was the enemy. He was on the wrong side, which means he was powerful enough to throw Christians in jail, and he was given that power by people more powerful than him. Who hated Christians also? And then he flips sides. You think he didn't make an enemy or two? You think he didn't make an enemy or two by flipping sides, by switching it up? Try that in the world with people who aren't powerful. (laughs) You make an enemy. Paul made enemies out of people who were more powerful than he was, and he was more powerful, politically speaking, than the Christians were. He reduced his power, made enemies out of him that could take his life. But that didn't happen. At least not right away. We do know Paul died a martyr, but he was of good old age after he planted several churches, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and was used by God in powerful ways across several different countries and dodged death several times. Why? Because God empowers those who are obedient to his calling. Romans 1.16. I've got a lot of Romans today. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the gospel that empowers us. And Paul wrote this text. He wrote Romans. Paul wrote this text, and with no doubt, he was speaking from experience. And in our text... Paul is speaking before King Agrippa. Acts 26, verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. This is why I'm here today. This is why I've survived this long. You read the story of Paul in the book of Acts, and man, he should have died several times. And our text, this is late in Paul's ministry. He's nearing the end of his life, and he knows it. And he's standing before King Agrippa, testifying of Christ. And just the fact that he did that is showing that he was obedient to the heavenly call. And God absolutely empowered him to carry it out. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. And the Lord said to Ananias... This is as Paul is blind and he's instructing Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. This is long before our text. And what does Jesus tell Ananias? He will carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Here we see, before Paul even got his vision back, that Jesus is prophesying to Ananias about the work that Paul will do for God. And in our text, we see Paul bringing all of that to fruition at last. He's standing before a king, carrying out Christ's name. That's exactly what Jesus said he would do. Just as Jesus said. 
And if you read the story of Paul, you already know that he's successfully preached to both Jews and Greeks. He's successfully started and planted several churches, both Jewish and Greek. And now, here he is testifying before a king, just as Paul said. Or just as Jesus said. You see... I wonder, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder if Ananias ever told Paul what Jesus said. (laughs) Or maybe he was like, man, I'm scared of that dude. I'm going to get in there and pray for him and I'm going to get out. You read the book of Acts and they were scared of him. God had to literally deal with them and tell them, no, he's all right. (laughs) He's okay. He wanted you dead. Now he doesn't. I can't help but wonder, did Ananias say, man, let me tell you what Jesus said you're going to do. I don't know. God speaks to us about people sometimes. Sometimes we tell them, sometimes we don't. And we can sit here and wonder all night, but what we do know by the evidence of the book of Acts is that whether Paul knew or he didn't know, what we do know is that he obeyed the call of God. Why? Because he did everything Jesus said he would do. Whether he knew about it or not, he did it all. We may or may not know what God has called us to. But either way, we must choose to obey today. Ephesians chapter 3, a little bit of reading, verses 14 through 21. Again, the words of Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is uh, breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Think about this. Do you want that power at work in your life? Do you want that power at work in your life on a daily basis? Then you first need Christ in your life. It's very clear. He tells them, this is what God can do, but you need God to empower you. Do you want to accomplish more than you ever could have imagined? Then you must seek God first. See, we we have our goals. We have our plans. No doubt, Paul had plans. He had goals. We know he did, right? They weren't good ones, but he had them. But God's plans for us are far greater. If we want to be effective in life, if we want to feel like our life has a purpose, if we want to actually be able to overcome the trials we face for once in our lives instead of giving in to everything that comes our way, if you want to be empowered 
and called by God. Then you must seek out the call he has for you in your life and then make the choice to obey his command. God is not going to force his will upon us. He's not going to move us like puppets. The question is, will we seek it out? And like Paul, when we've come to our end, we can say, I was obedient to the call of Christ. I was obedient to the call of Christ. You see, Paul, his whole life he wasn't obedient. We know that, right? But at some point, he was faced with the reality of Jesus Christ, and he said, man, I'm thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ. Everything I've done, and he'd done a lot. Today, I am answering the call of Christ. He didn't say, I'm too young, I still got life to live, I'm too old, I've already blown it, or I'm too middle-aged, I've whatever, I don't know. He said, now I hear it, I've done it, and now I'm going to do it. We are all called just like Paul. I wish it was with a heavenly vision just like Paul, but nonetheless, we all have a calling on our life, young and old and middle-aged alike. We are called first to be children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That God showed his love to us by allowing us to come into his family. Then we are called to proclaim. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. God has a specific and detailed and personal plan for every single one of us. Stop waiting for God to smack you upside the face with it. Stop waiting for God to come and move you like a puppet because it won't happen. You'll wait and then you'll die. He's simply not going to do it. Instead, we have to obey the word of God. We have to seek God's will for our life. Listen for his voice to call us and then act on it. And then, when we do that, we will find a life full of blessing and power and fulfillment. And most importantly, a life that leads to eternal life. The question is for each and every one of us, not just once, not twice, but every single day, every single hour, is will you listen to his call? And then, will you obey his command. See, it's one, it's, it's one thing to hear God's call. It's another thing to obey it. And we make this choice every single day to pick up our cross and bear it for the glory of our God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.